want to share with you guys something that happened to me yesterday. So this is a little, uh, this is a little off of what I planned, but God has his own plans, and I'm thankful that he does. And, um, and he really just pressed upon my heart to share with you something that I walked through yesterday, and, um, and how encouraging, but also how challenging it was um, at the same time. Um, I had the opportunity to, uh, to meet a gentleman several months ago that walked through our doors, um, and uh, he came one time. His name was Brian. And Brian walked through our doors, and, uh, um, and I think it was early June, or maybe the first, first couple days in June, something along those lines, and, and, uh, and he walked through our doors, and we were able to interact, and we were able to talk, and uh, it was obvious that he, and he even said, I'm just, I'm so far from the Lord, that kind of thing. Well, God got a hold of his, Brian's heart that morning. And, uh, and so I got to interact with him afterward, and he shared with me about how he's originally from Tampa, and, uh, and surprisingly enough, really close to where my brother David is a lead pastor in the Tampa area. And so I connected him uh, with my brother, and, uh, and af- after that, I didn't, I didn't hear anything. Well, Brian um, reached out to myself and my brother David yesterday, and he shared with us, uh, he sent me an email and he shared with me, or asked me if I would be willing, and my brother David would be willing to get on a Zoom call to, uh, to talk with his, um, with his dying brother-in-law, who's in ICU. And, um, and he said, would you be willing to get on this Zoom call? And both David and I were like, yeah, absolutely. And uh, so we made ourselves available. We get onto this Zoom call. And here's, here's what's incredible. Like, you, you, in moments like that, you almost, you're like, I, I don't feel worthy to kind of share. <laughs> I don't feel like I, I'm the right person even to, to kind of step into moments like this. But, but nonetheless, that's, that's not our call. Sometimes it's just the invitation that God offers, and so you step into those moments. And so David and I, we, we, we get on this call with, um, with this man who is in ICU, hooked up to everything, and and uh, the ICU nurse was so gracious to hold a, a phone up, and, and we began to be able to interact with uh, his brother-in-law, Stephen. And, and this one man, Brian, had been praying for Stephen for years and years and years, and, and, uh, and now he's at death's door. And, um, and so we shared the gospel with Stephen. And then we had the opportunity to, to uh, walk him through the plan of salvation of who Jesus is, and, um, and actually lead him in a prayer to give his heart to Jesus in this last moment. No, yeah, absolutely. All glory to God. But here's, here's where it gets even, how God does it even better. Um, we get off of that phone, and, and what's interesting is, is we got off the phone right when the ICUers actually had to tend to Stephen because of certain things that had gone wrong. And so we were able to get through all of that, and, and the gospel was proclaimed, and all of a sudden, life change happens. And then we get off, and David and myself and Brian, who were on this Zoom call still, were, were talking, and right next to Brian was his wife, who he had been praying for years to give her heart to Jesus. And in that moment, um, as she heard the gospel being presented to her brother-in-law, all of a sudden, she responded and in that moment, all of a sudden, she gave her heart to Jesus Christ in that moment, too. Now, now I'm sharing this with you because I want you to know, like, our God is so intentional. Do you, do you realize that? Like, only God can say, I'm going to connect 
uh, a guy who's been to a church one time who all of a sudden turned his heart to, towards Christ and then, and then pull in uh, his brother on the other side of the United States in Tampa, Florida, and, uh, and this guy, Brian, begins to grow and, and seek seek Christ out and everything he is and be connected to Christ. And, and then all of a sudden, the three of us pull together with a, a brother-in-law who's in Oregon. This is where this was taking place. He was in Oregon in this ICU. And then, and then Jesus, because of what he did in Brian's life, um, all of a sudden touched his brother-in-law's life and touched his wife's life. And I just want you to know how incredibly important this morning and how vital Jesus is. Like Jesus is, Jesus is not just something we talk about. Jesus is not just some, some activity that we kind of navigate through. I just, it is so important to understand these two words, which is where God wanted to bring us this morning. Two words being connected and relationship. Now, when you hear those words, you might have all kinds of different definitions. But I mean, I, 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 I've had different definitions. I've had friends that had different definitions when they've heard those terms, but, but I can't tell you how vital Jesus is. All of a sudden, even though this man's body is deteriorating, just like all of our bodies are deteriorating from the moment we're born, we're falling. We are on the process of dying. We, we are on that pathway of dying. And slowly but surely, we reach that end whenever that is. But in this moment, all of a sudden, even though his body's decaying, guess what? He now has the opportunity to live forever. To live forever in Jesus. To live forever in eternity and glory and, and free from pain, free, free from sorrow. And, and here's what's great. You're like, well, he might have lived a tragic life. He might have lived a, a horrible life. Yeah, but that doesn't matter because all of us can say the same Thing. The gospel applies to every one of us. It's not, God, why did you save him? Why did you save? No, the question is, is God, why did you save any of us? Because we're all sinners and we all turned our back on Jesus. This is, this is who we are. This is, and, and, and this morning, especially when you walked in, as you saw these tables out here, um, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm going to tell you exactly what. Uh, outside there are tables and there's some people there. And these people are followers of Jesus. And they want to connect with every single one of you and invite you into a, a, a group, what we call a group, so that you can experience both connection and relationship, not just with real life church, but help you understand what it is to have a dynamic, intimate love relationship with our Savior. Because we know, I know, that that just doesn't just happen. So if you, like, and I've said this before, if you think just coming in on Sunday morning, kind of filling your cup and, 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 and then going out the rest of the week, never connecting with Jesus, if you think that that is enough and you think that that's the Christian faith, then you have been lied to. Sunday morning is not enough. You know what? You know what? Because as, as your pastor, I want you to know I need Jesus every second of every day. I just do. And all of us do. That's the reality. We all need Jesus. And I love how, how when we talk about stuff like this, um, God, God, we don't have to go any further than his, this book right here, this incredible scripture. It's called the Bible. And, and he invites us in to, to talk 
about what this relationship looks like. And, and all of our answers, you know, I mean, it's, it's these answers that we, we're constantly searching for our whole life, but we don't have to go any further than this. And I love how, where he's taking us this morning in John 15, because he tells you, I, wanna, I want you to know exactly about this relationship. I want you to know exactly what this relationship kind of looks like, kind of feels like. Last week, we talked, we ended our uh, not-so-awkward family series, and and this week is just kind of a standalone, but I'm so grateful where we landed because we talked about the family of God, and today, it's almost like we get to look at this relationship a little bit more in depth. What what is this, what is this relationship that Jesus is is kind of calling us into? So if you have your Bibles, or if you don't, it's going to be up here on the screen. I want you to follow along with me as we look at maybe a familiar story to you, in John chapter 15, look at, look at this, starting in verse 1, as we look at relationship and what it means to be connected to Jesus Christ. This is what he says in John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true grapevine, and my father, yeah, he's, he's the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so that they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message that I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. God, I, just, I come before you this morning And I ask for grace. I ask for mercy. And I ask for wisdom. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would fill this room, that no matter who's walked in this room, I pray that you you would give us ears to hear and that you'd give us a receptive heart this morning. That you'd break down every wall that the adversary would love to have built up or our own sin or our own flesh has built up, Lord Jesus, that you would break down every wall and that you would speak right to our hearts exactly what you want us to know about being in relationship, being connected to you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love this passage. I love this passage because it really talks, this is is the Bible's way of of having a DTR, okay? Now, if you're generation, some of us uh, might generationally not understand what I mean by the DTR. The DTR is what's called the define the relationship, okay, moment. It's, it's, like, um, it's like when I was in sixth grade, um, kindy was my world. Kindy was my world. And I remember I was in, uh, I, 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 we had just left class, and, and, and at the time I, I thought not only was kindy my world, I thought in her eyes I was her world. And we're, we're walking, and and, uh, and all of a sudden, she turns to me, and uh, we're walking towards the bus at the end of the day, and, uh, and all of a sudden, she turns to me, and she says, um, Joel, we need to have a DTR. And I went, absolutely. 
This is fantastic. Yes. I'm glad we're on the same page here. Um, let's have this. Let's have the DTR. Let's define this thing. Let's really, yes, this is right, you know? I'm glad you see this the same way I do. And she starts out and she goes, Joel, I love hanging out with you. And I was like, this is, this is awesome. Yeah, I'm glad we're, yes, we're connected. This is great. And she goes, um, I love how good of a friend you are. And I went, no, no. This became a very hard moment for me. I said, uh, um, and she's like, that's really all I want. And then she just turns around and she walks up and catches up with her friends up front. And I'm just kind of sitting there, just kind of like, what? What just happened? She just defined the relationship, and it's not what I had anticipated. It's not what I wanted, but that's what DTR is. It's defining the relationship between two individuals that are sharing in, in, in this relationship and what that means, what that looks like. And, and so John 15 is exactly that. God defines the relationship here. And I love how he uses this imagery to help us understand exactly what this is. He uses the example of a, a, of a grapevine. And so when we're talking about defining the relationship between God and us, let's look real briefly at who he is. Like, what's your role, God? What's your role, Jesus? How does this play out? And so in verse 1, we see he goes, I, referring to Jesus, Jesus is saying, I am the true grapevine. I'm the true grapevine. And my father, he's the gardener. And he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. I want you to look at this grapevine here real quick. I know that you've seen the picture. It's already been up here, but I want to I kind of... Jesus is saying, look, this right here, Jesus is saying, I, I'm the vine, okay? And he goes, I'm not just the vine. I'm the true vine. Now, I love how Jesus distinguishes himself from everything else. Because, see, when he's referring to uh, the true grapevine, that suggests that there are fake ones. There are false vines that you can actually connect to. There, there's false vines that you can actually have relationship with. See, because what Jesus is saying here is, is he's saying there are things that you can actually attach to that might look right, smell right, feel right, but aren't right. There are false vines, fake vines, that synthetic vines, if I can say that, that we try to connect to that won't nourish our life. We connect to things like addiction. We connect to maybe other earthly relationships. If I can just have her, if I could just have him, then everything's going to be better. If we can just do this, if I could just get this job, if I could just have this stuff, if I could just all these things. And, and there's these vines that I feel like we so easily jump into. And Jesus is going, look, no, I'm, I'm this. I'm the true and he goes, and, and, and I love how, it, see, when you understand the vine and vineyards, and, and some of you are probably more savvy at, at agriculture and different things like this, but, but as I began to talk with some different people, and I, I discovered a number of different things about this. See, the vine, man, that's the source. Like, it's the, it's the source. It, it's, it's where all nourishment, all life for anything attached to this vine comes from. 
So Jesus is saying, I want you to know in life, let's define the relationship, in life, I'm the only source. Like, I, I'm it. Like, I, all the nourishment that you need for life, guess what? It comes from me. Everything you can possibly imagine, your sustenance, the connection, your purpose, all of these things come right here from the, from the vine, from the source. And then he goes a little bit further and he says, and, and my father, he talks about his father, the heavenly father. Because if you don't know, there's, there's, there's a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's beautiful how you see all of this, even in this passage. Well, he says the Father, he's the gardener. Now the gardener, if you know anything about that, he walks around with some sharp clippers a lot of the time. And the gardener, he, he checks and he cares for the health and wellness of the entire orchard. I mean, he, he, he's making sure, he's walking down every single row He's ensuring the health and wellness of every single thing. And one of the things that the gardener does is he prunes, right? He prunes. So, so what the gardener will do is, is he'll come along and, and he'll see this. And, and what I want you to understand is, this, is, is there's things, there's these branches that come off of the vines. And, or come, come off the vine. And, and what he'll do is, is he'll evaluate every branch that comes off and and he'll look at it, and he'll see the, the health of it, and, or the, the disease of it. And, and sometimes he'll, he'll snip a little bit here, and he'll snip a little bit there, and he'll take off some of the, some of the maybe the dead weight. And, and he does that intentionally in order to free it up. And as a matter of fact, when you actually look at the role of the gardener, sometimes when you look at uh, these vineyards, there's these branches that'll grow like downward. And sometimes the, 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 the gardener, the father, has to lift up, lift up that branch and actually put it back into place. Now, when you understand also vineyards, every year, without fail, there's always pruning. There's always pruning of the, of the branches. There's always pruning. And when they prune, it, it, it's worse than, than a military haircut sometimes, okay? I mean, because they, they'll sometimes, they'll prune back all the way to like the nub. Like you're almost going like, oh, what happened? Like when you look at a vineyard after the pruning has taken place, it, you're like, this looks like a dead field. I mean, you genuinely, you're like, what, what has happened? Nothing can ever grow here. I mean, that's, that's the thought. But he cuts it all the way back. And you know what? It's painful. It's painful when the gardener cuts. It's, it's painful when the gardener has to prune. And what the word there actually means when he prunes actually means to cleanse and purify. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. I love what he says. He goes, just as Christ loved the church... He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean. So we're holy, clean, we're purified, we're pruned, not in and of ourselves. We can't make ourselves be better, grow better, grow even in the direction we ought to without the vine, without what Jesus has done. And it says, Washed, uh, make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing 
of God's word. God washes over us. He prunes us. So don't think for a second that the vine isn't putting nourishment in you that is pruning you and purifying you and cleansing you and leading you away from things that will be harmful and toxic. See, because God knows this. God knows that dead wood is worse than fruitless. See, dead wood author, offers death and decay. And he's got to, see, he's got to cut those dead things off. He, he can't have that. But sometimes he's got to prune us back significantly for us to grow the way he, that he needs us to. And he lifts us up. But this is who the, this is who the, the Father and the Son are. He, I'm the vine. Jesus is the vine. And my Father is the, the gardener. So who are we in this relationship? What, 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 do we, what do we look like? Look at verses 5 and 6 with me. It says, yes, I, I'm the vine. Guess what? You are. You're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Okay, here. And we have to be really honest with ourselves. And we have to, re- this, this was hard for me. This was hard for me to really understand this. Here, let's go back to the picture. We're the branch, okay? Now, you know what the branch is? The branch is not partially, like there's not like a solar panel that the branch is connected to. The branch is fully dependent on this. Like you can't, without this branch being connected to this vine, this branch doesn't live. Do you, do you, uh, you, you understand that? I mean, like there is absolutely no way, meaning, meaning this branch is merely a recipient of everything this vine has to offer. Nothing but a recipient. All you can do is receive what the vine is putting in you. You didn't, you, he's not, like the branch is not earning it. The branch is not going, you know, on missions trips every, you know, every other week. The branch is not going to church every single Sunday. The branch, you know what I'm saying? All he is is a recipient of what this vine is pouring into him or her. Like this is, this is what it means to be a branch. Like there's, there, there's no other way to see it. We are a recipient. Now, here's the other thing that you need to understand. Apart from this, you're dead. You're dead. Like, there is no life in you. So, if I am a branch, just like we all are branches, and you have never been connected to the vine, what does that say about you and I? It says you're dead. There's no life in you. But Joel, I bring a lot to the table. No. Do dead things bring anything to the table? Okay, there was a movie called Weekend at Bernie's, right? Some of you um, might know what that movie was. It's, it's where these two guys, they, they come across. Anyway, uh, they start animating like this dead guy. 
okay, all right, because they want to be able to stay in his house and have access to all of his stuff and all this kind of, and so they literally walk this dead guy around and, and they pretend to wave with his hand and all kinds of stuff like that, but, but the reality is, is if, if he, they went to a restaurant, could Bernie pay? N- no. Why? Because he's dead. Can Bernie, can Bernie contribute to the conversation? N- no. Because he's dead. Can Bernie engage in any kind of activity whatsoever? And the answer is no. Because Bernie is dead. So I want you to understand that those that maybe even walked in here this morning that have never been connected into the vine, you're dead. Okay? Now that's not, here it is. I am not trying to put you down. I am trying to state the reality of where we are. This is where we are. When we are born, when we are born, we are born spiritually dead. We, we exist as a branch who's never been connected to the vine. Now, here's what's great. This is why I love this, define this relationship moment. I love, first of all, Romans 6.13 says this, instead, give yourselves completely to God. I know where we're a branch. And so, all of a sudden, Paul goes, let's look at this. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead. But now, now you have new life. Not because as a branch somehow you vital, you just, you resurrected yourself and gave yourself life. No, it's because the gardener, the father, decided to graft you in. Now, I loved learning about this. This was so much, this was so much fun. See, what happens is, is, is they can actually take a branch and they can actually put it into the vine. Now, here's what, what they have to do, though. You know what they have to do? In order for the gardener to attach a branch, the gardener actually has to wound the vine. Actually has to wound it. And then, then the gardener turns to the branch and has to shape it and mold it in the way that it needs to be in order to fit perfectly into the vine. And then the gardener wraps it, wrap, puts it, wraps around it and all that kind of stuff. And, and then there's a process of where the vine grafts and adopts this new branch into itself. And it's such a beautiful picture. It's this beautiful picture because if Jesus is the vine, then the only way he could graft us in, adopt us in, was for the vine to be wounded. You see that? Like God the Father had to wound God the Son in order for the branches, you and I, to be grafted into the vine. So that we could actually no longer be dead, but actually be brought to life. This is what our heavenly father, the gardener, has done for you and for me. What a gift. I mean, this is, this is do you understand how vital this relationship is? Do you understand how vital this connection is? 
Like when you understand this, it's like op- the option goes out the door. It's not an option to love Jesus. It's not an option to live like Jesus. It's not an option to want Jesus. It's about Jesus or you don't have life. This is who Jesus is. This is what we've been invited into. This is what God has done. I love Ephesians 1.5. He says this, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through the wounding of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. I like that statement. See, it's it's easy for mom and dad to kind of go, I need you to do this, and you kind of, fine, I'll just do this. You know, begrudgingly, you kind of, all right, I'll take the trash out, you know. But I love this statement here in Ephesians because it says he was, he wanted to be wounded. He wanted to take all of God's wrath, wanted to take all of God's judgment upon himself so that you could be invited in, so that his wounding could be the way in which you were brought back into relationship with God Almighty. This is the adoption. This is the relationship that we're brought into. So what are we? So this is God the Father, God the Son. This is who we are. We're the branches. This is, so, so what does this relationship look like now? Uh, help, help me understand this. Look at verse 4 with me. It says this, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Now that word, remain, is, is actually, it, it, the Greek is meno. And it actually means just what it means, remain. It means to abide, tarry. It just means to, uh, to stay. I mean, there's this beautiful, I mean, it, it, it describes this profound, intimate, enduring relationship. I mean, it's, it's literally, it's the idea that Jesus fully forms the disciple. Jesus fully forms who we are. I mean, so all of a sudden, when you are grafted into the vine, when you're grafted into this incredible vine that we see, when we get, when we get brought into, after the wounding, everything that takes place, all of a sudden, all the nourishment, the nutrients, the sustenance that's being poured into the branch, I mean, all of a sudden, the responsibility of the, the branch, you know what the responsibility is? Just stay connected. Just remain. But Joel, you don't, no, no, I do. Just remain. Stay. Abide. Be present. Because this, this relationship, I mean, look, look at what this relationship can produce. I mean, think about this. Think about it from your own life. All of a sudden, you, you, you've maybe grown up in a fruitless life. All of a, but think about, the other, think about it for a moment. Think about what God can produce in and through you if you let him. If you just remain. Stay connected. Now, here's what's great. The vine, once you're grafted in, guess who holds onto the branch? The branch doesn't hold onto the vine anymore. It's the vine that holds onto the branch. And here's what I know about the vine. He never lets his branch go. You're always, you're always connected to the vine at that point. You're always in. Now again, that gardener comes by. 
and he'll prune you and he'll wound you and he'll cut back things that are going to be decaying and dying on you. But he does that, why? Because here's what we find out. A branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, if the nourishments, the nutrients of the word is washing over you, purifying you, cleansing you, you may ask anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, that's my true branch. That's my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. See, we're supposed to not only remain. See, and here's what's, here's, the word uh, gnosko is, is actually a revelation knowledge with completeness and without intellectual activity, okay? And what that means is, is and I'm not gonna go into, is the vine the vine, he knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows where you're struggling. He knows how, which direction you're going. He knows which way to actually push you in order to receive the best kind of light. He knows how to actually prune in the right way. Like he knows everything about you. It is this intimate knowledge. It's even apart from, from intellectual knowledge. It's I just know you. And when you get into a love relationship with your wife and, and there's things that you can complete each other's sentence, it's, it's more than just an intellectual, I've got information about my wife. No, I'm in relationship with my wife. I'm connected to her more than physical, more than mental. It is so much deeper. And this is the relationship that we are invited into, but actually a deeper relationship than even we experience with our earthly spouses. This is such a beautiful relationship that he brings us into. And you know what that produces? It produces fruit. It produces fruit. So not only do we remain, it produces fruit. See, um, it, producing fruit is not an option when you're a branch. Because the, the father will go around and, and he'll look. If you are a branch and you are not producing fruit, he's pretty clear he just... He snips you back. Because maybe, maybe you weren't in a place to be able to produce the fruit. And, and, and understand this, the fruit that comes out of our life isn't in and of ourselves. You st your, your call is to remain. Branch, you remain, you abide. And through the power of his Holy Spirit, he produces the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. These are the fruit of the Spirit. And those demonstrations should not just... Um, kind of uh, be a, a box check, they should come forth out of your life without even thinking. Because you have the Spirit of God living in you, producing things in you, removing things out of you, so that you can produce abundant fruit. And here's what we are. A lot of the time, as, especially as pastors, like we become fruit inspectors, not to judge, but to help encourage and push you in the direction you need to go in order to produce the fruit that God wants for you. See, uh, if you don't see fruit in your life, if there's nothing transformative about your life, but yet you say Jesus has your life, you might really need to look at really where your heart is and who it actually belongs to. 
Because fruit should be the outpouring of this relationship, of this connection. Like, it's not an option. Like, you should have fruit continually, bountifully coming out of you. Not the manufacturer, but the demonstration of fruit. See, the only way to hold on to what is good, according to this passage in verse 4, the only way to hold on to what is good is in Christ. It's the only way. The only way to apply righteousness and live righteously is in the vine, is in Christ. The only way to bear and endure righteously is in Christ. See, the crops experience all kinds of turmoil. They walk through insects and and a number of different, um, I mean, locusts and whatever else tries to destroy the crops. But if you're connected to this vine, you see, the vine's super strong. It can endure enormous things. It can endure fires and still survive. This is the, this is the vine that we're connected to. The next, the final thing, I guess, in regard to what we are is, is becoming more like the vine. See, you, we're never going to be the vine, but man, as the vine, I want to become more like the vine. I want, uh, as best as I know how, I want to look like the vine, I want to act like the vine, I want to... Uh, I want to smell like the vine. I love, if you studied shepherds and sheep, um, usually when a shepherd has a flock of sheep, it's usually about a hundred, and when, especially when he first comes in, he wants to get to know the sheep, and so not only will he speak to them all the time, but he'll actually sleep with them for weeks and months at a time, sometimes even longer, because the sheep not only know his voice, but they know his scent too. Like they, they get a scent. So even if they don't hear his voice, they, oh, the shepherd, where's the shepherd? And this is, this is what, like this is the kind of relationship we're talking about here with the branch and the vine. Like I want Jesus' scent all over me. Like I want to look like him. I want to talk like him. I want to act like him. We will never be the vine, but we can be fashioned and molded in like, to be more like the vine. Koinonia is another Greek term, drawn together by intimate participation. Koinonia is a term that's, that's talked about between church fellowship, but it actually means mingling of souls. Can you imagine, you, as you, as followers of Jesus, you're mingling with souls. Like, what a beautiful, what a beautiful relationship. And, and so, the more we understand who he is, the more we understand that he's the vine, the more we understand who we are and who we are not, helping us realize that anything and everything good only comes from him. Look at John 15, 16, and with this, we're gonna be done. We're gonna wrap up. John 15, 16 says this, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. This is our, this is our mission. As we remain in Jesus and the word washes over us, the vine nourishes us and we are to produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Guys, listen, um, there's some dangers in this relationship that I think sometimes we don't even recognize. See, I, I I can know about Jesus and not live for Jesus. You know why? Because I'm not living in Jesus. There's a huge difference. If I'm not in this vine, then I can talk Jesus all day. I can have an understanding of him all day. But if I'm not in Jesus, 
then I'm never going to know him. I'm never going to be connected. And and as a matter of fact, there's actually um, something that actually sometimes is produced on the vine. It's called a sucker. It's literally called a sucker. And so if you go to a vine, sometimes you'll see like this little offshoot off the vine. And it can even have small little green leaves sometimes and and, you know, it's got little man syndrome. It's, it's kind of what I, it's like, it's got this, like, I, 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 look how strong I am. But really, what a sucker is, is it's almost like a parasite. And what it does is it attaches to the vine. And um, here's what, you, you'll know that it's a sucker. You know why? Because the sucker never produces fruit. You know why? Because it's never actually been connected to the vine. See, you can be attached to Jesus. I like hanging out with other believers. I like and never be connected to Jesus. And that's super sad because you're never going to produce fruit. You can give people the impression, hey, look at me, I'm a branch. I'm a branch. Look at all my leaves. But what did Jesus do when he actually saw the fig tree that wasn't producing any fruit? Yeah, you're, you're never going to produce again. And it withered. It withered. So, and you also know that it's a sucker. You know why? Because if the gardener rubs his hand up and hits a sucker, the sucker just pops right off. It was never connected to the vine. Don't be a sucker. (laughs) Right? God wants us to be a branch. 